Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. I'm Jeremy from Utah. And I am Ken from Indiana. This is the last episode of Season 2. We have an interview with Samuel Say from slowtowrite.com coming up. And uh, it's a great interview. You'll enjoy listening to it. Uh, But this is the last episode of the season. We're going to take a few uh, I shouldn't say a few months off. That sounds like a long time. A few weeks off. We're going to be back, Lord willing, in February. Do you pronounce that the correct way, Ken? Feb- February? I usually don't think about it. I just say February. <laughs> so, no. I bet you pronounce Wednesday wrong, too. That's how freak. I uh, I always pronounce it that way to remember how to spell it. Ah. <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll be back... Uh, on a Wednesday in February, <laughs> um, because our episodes come out on Wednesdays, and uh, we're excited about the things we want to do in season three. So um, stick with us; it'll be a great time during the months off to go back and listen through some of the episodes you may have missed beforehand. Especially if you are a new subscriber, uh, you might be joining the podcast right now and thinking, "What? Nothing new until February? Uh, what am I going to do?" Well, you can go back especially into season one, and listen to our conversations about primary doctrine, secondary doctrine, and doubtful things. That would be really helpful for you. But because it is the last episode of a season, um, we're going to do a little giveaway, aren't we, Kenneth? Yes, we are. So we have a brand new copy of an ESV study Bible that we would love to put into your hands, but in order to do that, you have to do a few things for us. So, go over to facebook.com slash theology and like our Facebook page. There will be a post with this episode. Like that post, share that post, and then drop a comment in there with a screenshot of a rating wherever you can rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, or I guess Apple iTunes. Apple <laughs> iTunes. Apple Tunes. Apple Tunes. Uh, wherever you can rate the podcast, rate it there. Get a screenshot of that and sh- and comment on the post, and that will enter you into our contest for a brand new ESV study Bible. Okay, we we don't want to make it too complicated, so let's say it again. There's going to be a post of this episode on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Do Theology. Yes. Okay. Like you need our page. To like that page. You need to share that post and make sure your privacy setting is public. Otherwise, we won't be able to see that you shared it. Correct. So share it publicly like you're happy to do so. (laughs) And then comment with a screenshot of your rating of this podcast on Apple or wherever you leave a rating, wherever you can find on the Internet to rate our podcast. It doesn't matter. And we don't even say it has to be five stars. But if if it is five stars, you have a better chance of winning. (laughs) So uh, <laughs> so leave a comment on that post with the screenshot of your rating our podcast. Is that right? That's right. Very well. Okay, well, let's jump into this interview with Samuel Say. Again, he's the blogger at slowtowrite.com. If you don't immediately recognize his name, you certainly have read some of his articles or seen some of them online. He writes about political things. He writes about cultural things. Um, he gets a lot of attention on those articles in our type of circles for good reason. He's very good with words, and this was a fun interview. It was a hard interview to acquire. We had to hunt him down a lot. We had to badger him, 
no offense to the Badgers that might be listening in Wisconsin or the animal. <laughs> Come on, Ken, help me out. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> Maybe we should just go into the episode. <laughs> yeah. After, on, the other, on the other side of the music, our interview with Samuel Say from slowtowrite.com. Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues. I got an idea. Let's not wrong with anybody who thinks they got another idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things. I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. Pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord, with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. Today's guest is a community liaison with the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform, which is an organization committed to advancing pro-life causes and ending abortion. You can find his blog at slowtowrite.com, where he writes about issues in the culture from a biblical perspective, and you can support his work at patreon.com slash slowtowrite. It's our pleasure to welcome Samuel Say. Thank you for having me, guys. So virtually everyone who is listening to us that would be familiar with you and your work would know you from your website. However, on your website, you describe yourself as a community liaison, and we're just wondering if you would share what that means and what a typical work week looks for you, look like, looks uh, like for yeah. you. Yeah, it's, it's a bit different now well, since uh, March with the coronavirus, but essentially my job is, is to uh, connect local pastors or local churches with uh, my organization. And that is, uh, it's not my organization, I just work uh, for the organization, but it's the uh, CCBR and it's, it stands for, I always struggle to say, it's, it's a long word, but it's the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Um, so my job is just, so I do some speaking as well. Um, I do, you know, some street apologetics with uh, students across, um, different high schools and universities in Toronto, but particularly my main job is meeting with pastors and, and getting them more involved. Uh, Canada is a very pro, it, it's easily the most pro-abortion nation in, in the West and really mm -hmm. the most pro-abortion nation outside of North Korea and China. Wow. Uh, yeah. So we don't have a lot of pastors who are very involved in the, in the issue. And if they are involved, it's, uh, it's usually with, the pregnancy care centers, and that's good stuff, but we need more vocal, uh, you know, uh, members of uh, local churches uh, speaking out against abortion. Mm -hmm. So you've been, you've been blogging for about five years now, and you've been reaching a large audience, especially over the last year in particular. Uh, you've recently started up a Patreon page so that you can be financially supported with your writing endeavors. Uh, what struggles have you faced in keeping up with your rapidly growing audience? Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. One of the, so one of the reasons why I, I did Patreon, I just started it last week and people were saying oh, just now you're starting that, but um, no, it's particularly because I work, you know, full-time for uh, my pro, you know, pro-life work is full-time. 
And yet I find myself committing another 40 hours or more sometimes to just studying, preparing, writing, answering emails. And lately it's been especially a lot of emails that I've been struggling to keep up with. Um, there are a lot of pastors and just Christians who are struggling to understand um, how to react biblically and lovingly to the issues that we're facing today. Um, so it's so it's largely been that. I've been struggling to just commit enough time to it, which is why I started Patreon. And then um, on top of that, it's just been a lot of a, a social cost to it. You know, it's um, what I say isn't very popular and that gets me in trouble. And um, I've had to figure out how to navigate that. Yeah, you write about very serious issues in so much of your online ministry that people know is wrapped up in these dramatic topics of the day. And at the same time, for people who follow you on social media, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, they see your lighthearted personality when you're dancing around in the bathroom or jamming out to the artist formerly known as Dixie Chicks. Um, <laughs> have you found it difficult in this present moment in history? Have you found it difficult to strike a balance between being a publicly happy person when you have to also publicly address really serious issues? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, some time ago, I'm, I'm a very, uh, no one, no one takes me seriously in my private life. They, they, I'm a goof. Um, and I realized recently that my pro-life work is very serious, right? You know, babies are being killed. And then these issues concerning, you know, racism, systemic racism and all that are very serious issues too. And I found myself always addressing these serious issues and one time I went through my time and I'm like man everything I say is so depressing at times you know mm -hmm. it's so serious and then I figured wait a minute people don't really know me they don't really mm -hmm. uh I think these people the people that know me privately they we talk about all these issues but we also laugh at the same time we cry and we laugh and I think uh, we need more of that you know in um you know it, publicly and I think that I thought perhaps I could share things that could be helpful and serious while making people laugh because it can be hard right it's, it's when you turn on the news you know it's, it's, it's a mess uh, but i think there's a time for everything there's a time to laugh and a time to weep and i think um hopefully i'm doing a good job of having that balance of trying to make people laugh and enjoy god's grace and all things and yeah at the same time when needed being serious about the issues that we're facing yeah, I can say as a, a reader from your website and someone who follows you on social media, it is a breath of fresh air to see that you can relax too. Because when your ministry is made up of, you know, being immersed in these distressing times, uh, it can just seem like, man, all the fun's been sucked out of that guy, <laughs> you know? And so um, for you to yeah. be able to to show that side of your life is really helpful for people, I'm sure. Um and, and speaking of your website, I read an article there earlier today. The title of the article was Ghana Isn't My Home Anymore. And you detailed in that article a lot of the details about your journey from Africa to Canada. And you've learned at least three languages, right? You've got your, what's the the language in Ghana? Fonti? No, give it a try. Give it a try. Let's hear it. <laughs> is it Fonti? Fonti, yeah. Okay. Nailed <laughs> uh, it. Yeah, and so you know, you know that you obviously know English and then uh, French too, because you spent time in Montreal before going to Toronto. Uh, really unique experiences in your life. At what point in that journey did you come to know the gospel, and how have those 
years in Montreal and Toronto shaped your approach to living the Christian life? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I, the world can't understand it, but I, I praise God because the reason why I ended up leaving Ghana and the reasons why I ended up leaving Montreal for Toronto was all under very difficult circumstances. Um, essentially I left Ghana where I was born and raised because, uh, my mom was a single, was a single mother after my father had abandoned uh, her and I before I was born. So that led her in a very, um, you know, she was a single mom for almost 10 years and, and then she remarries, uh, my stepfather. And then it is through that, that she ends up coming to Canada. And then I was actually, uh, I didn't come originally with her. I had to wait three years before I can get my, uh, visa and everything else to come to Canada. So I come to Canada and then three years after that, unfortunately, my stepfather, um, was abusive to my mom. And then out of fear for our, our, our life, we move from Montreal to come to Toronto and all those things were difficult, but, um, Toronto's where I heard the gospel. Um, I, I was raised in a Christian home. My mom was a Christian and mm. I was raised in a church, although it was a prosperity gospel church. Uh, so it wasn't a faithful church, but, um, essentially I heard some, I, there were occasionally some good, uh, gospel preaching there. And, uh, at 19, I become a Christian and I become, um, just amazed by God's grace. Uh, I, I remember thinking to myself that, wow, okay. So this is why people follow, follow Christ. And then I'm reading the scriptures and I'm uh, seeing that he's precious and I am, um, I'm also, you know, amazed that God has adopted me as, as his, uh, as his own son. And, uh, so anyways, I was 19 years old when I became a Christian and it was in Toronto. Mm. And can you verify that poutine is delicious? <laughs> um, you know, this is almost a uh, kind of uh, sacrilege, but, oh uh, my, in Montreal, but I mean, it, it is delicious. But I don't love it quite as much as a lot of, uh, you know, Quebecois or Montreal people uh, do. It's pretty good stuff. But I'm not, I'm not a big fan of cheese, which I know oh. heresy. I know, yes. I'm not a big fan of cheese. So that's that's why. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. <laughs> French fries, cheese curds, and gravy, man. Uh, <laughs> what more could you want? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, your, your story is amazing. And, and anybody listening to this who doesn't know the story should check out that article. Um, that just really unique experiences. We all have unique experiences and it's always encouraging to hear from another brother, how the Lord has worked in your life. And and now in Toronto, um, you go to church with Tim Challies. Is that right? Grace fellowship. Yeah. He's my pastor. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He's been, um, incredibly the show. Yeah. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's been um yeah, he's been in uh, very very kind uh, to me uh, since I joined the church. Uh, that was 8 years ago now I think, which is crazy. Um yeah, he's a big reason why I blog. You know, he's been um yeah, I can't thank him enough for everything he's done in my life. In in part of your uh your testimony there, you mentioned about how is some of the difficult circumstances that prompted several of the the moves in your life as you've gone from Ghana to Montreal, then Toronto. 
I just wonder if you'd be feel uh, comfortable sharing just how the Lord has been uh, working in your life and in your heart as you have had to wrestle with and uh, wrestle through some of these difficult issues um, in, in regard to your mother's relationship with, with your dad, with your stepdad, and how that has, uh, how the Lord has used that in your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I was growing up, I don't think I realized how difficult it was. And I think I'm saying that because of my mom's strength and her faith. Mm. Um, Psalm 23 is her favorite Psalm. And um, she was so faithful that she was always smiling and missed. I I remember uh, on our way from Montreal to Toronto, we were on a taxi and I don't remember too much about that journey, but I remember it being late at night and we're about to, we're being dropped off from the taxi to go into a shelter where we stayed for about three or four months. Um, and I remember my mom having a bruised face and her smiling at me still and her giving me one of the greatest advices that I still hold to very much this day, which is Sam, you know, um, look at the bruise on my face. Don't forget the bruise on the face, uh, on my face, but, um, just remember God's grace. God loves you more than I love you. Because I knew that she had suffered all that because of me. And in fact, she had been enduring so much suffering uh, because she thought it was best for me to finally have a dad in the home with my stepfather. And, um, you know, so for her to make those sacrifices for my sake and then for her to remind me, uh, I was 12 years old, I was 12 years old at the time and I was not a Christian, but I remembered that what she was saying that eventually when I finally became a Christian by the grace of God, I remembered my mom's words, you know, that God loves me even more than she does, you know. So uh, so for me, I've just remembered my mom's faith and her strength uh, amidst all that suffering. And, um, and I've also just realized that, you know, um, in a sinful world, uh, we're going to experience uh, suffering. But how we respond to that is what honors God, you know, and my mom honored God um, very faithfully. Um, and, um, I just want to, you know, do the same in how I follow a suit. In 2017, you wrote that Annie, your lady friend, (laughs) that's the term I'll use, uh, (laughs) that she pointed out to you that you don't call God father when you pray. And you wrote, I understand that God is positionally my father, but not personally. I know that God is my father theologically, but not experientially. I don't know how to petition a father. My father has never given me anything. How do I pray to my father in heaven when I've never had my father at home? Where are you at in that spiritual evolution at this time? Hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. I still struggle with that. Um, to be honest with you, I, I, I still struggle with it. I think, um, you know, it's especially when, when I am, um, when I'm doing well in the faith, you know, when I am, uh, you know, reading my Bible well, or, you know, I am not committing my habitual sins and things like that. Um, it's not as much of an issue within my heart, but I think when I do fail very noticeably, um, you know, that's when I'm afraid. So I, I struggle at times, I'm not afraid, just it's more of uh, struggling, you know, to remember that he is my father. And, um, and, it's, uh, and I now catch myself now that when I pray, I do say father more often, but there are times where I do hesitate to say it. 
and um it's yeah it's 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 strange for me you know but but i it's but it's one doctrine um the gospel the doctrine of adoption that i i know i need to keep mm-hmm. um you know um keep thinking about and meditating on because it is a struggle for me to really understand it in that manner um so but my girlfriend annie she's been incredible with that she has an incredible father um you know who's a pastor himself and i think through his example, she's been so helpful to me. And also her father's been very helpful to me in understanding what it means to be a father and um, helping me to get deeper in, in what the Bible teaches about, um, you know, God being a father to us in light of that. Yeah, something that's, as I understand, is is it's a challenge for many people from, from broken families uh, as they uh, wrestle with that concept of of God as as Father. That it's uh, it's important to, you know, for for those of us that don't have you know some uh, similar experience in that way to remember how how sometimes some of that terminology comes across to people and to be sensitive to that, but also be guiding people along in a in a biblical way. So, um, yeah, we appreciate appreciate you sharing on that, and it also underscores the. The importance of of being, you know, a, a biblical father as well. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, as as we uh, just continue to uh, think through uh, some of the things that you've written, um, you know, it's no secret. A lot of the uh, recent attention that your articles have gotten has stemmed from the racial tensions that are in the world today, particularly that we're seeing right now in America. And you recently said, "quote." I know my experiences as a black man, my writing ability, and my biblical theology makes my blog my blog compelling and helpful. Could you elaborate on this and and maybe why you as a as a black Canadian are gaining so much influence on white Americans? Mm, yeah, I think people are just starving for the truth. Uh, I think uh, the media is you know, is um, is pushing one narrative. And unfortunately, many evangelicals, many leading evangelicals have been accepting and embracing and pushing these narratives uh, as well. And I think because of that, many people are struggling because they're thinking, okay, I, I understand what they're saying, but I'm reading my Bible, I, I'm searching my heart, and from what they seem to be saying about me or what they seem to be saying what God calls for. I don't see it in the word and they're struggling. And then perhaps they come across a guy like myself and they say, okay, and this is what I've been hearing. You've been saying it's refreshing. And I seem to be saying the same things they're thinking about. Um, and I think perhaps um, with uh, learning from Tim Challey's, um, you know, just how to write, perhaps the way I'm writing things has been helpful in, in getting people uh, or in, helpful in communicating what perhaps others don't have the chance to communicate. And then on top of that, uh, no doubt about it, we live in a culture where, I mean, it's true, it's always been true, where a person from a certain group, if they say something, it carries more weight than somebody outside that group. Nevertheless, especially now in our culture where, you know, we say listen to Black voices or in our culture full of uh, intersectionality and all that, my voice carries more weight than perhaps an average uh, white person just because 
I've experienced a lot of the same things that Black Americans, Black Canadians um, have experienced too. And I can speak very personally and directly on these issues because um, all the same things that someone, a Black person can say about police brutality or systemic racism, I can say, I can say, I can, I can draw from my own experiences to say, I experienced some of what somebody might think was racism or systemic racism, but I can say that it actually really wasn't that, it was something else. Or even if there has been racism, I can say that yes, but as a Christian, I have to remember that God calls me to react differently than I would say some of my other uh, peers are reacting. Yeah, so how, how have you been able to think through those issues? Because you mentioned that you've experienced things that many people would say, that's racist, and you're saying, well, it's, it actually probably isn't. How do you uh, evaluate that and, and be able to see through and, and discern what is genuinely a racist thought or action versus something that is something else, in the, yeah. when, especially when our culture is, is screaming and telling us these are racist actions? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's very helpful. Um, I think to ask because then I can I can be more direct and or detailed in how I was answering it. Racism. So just to define it, racism in a simple way is essentially partiality against someone because of their skin color. Right um, now, in that sense, it's not really new. It's it's, it's a little bit new in terms of the the detail about skin color but partiality is has been around really since the since the fall since uh, adam and eve sinned and um but so so racism is partiality and also hatred or can be hatred so i've experienced people calling me the n-word and insulting me because i'm black that's racism right that's hatred because of my skin color i've experienced teachers who would um insult me and and get the and laugh at me because of my skin color that was racism um but, and i'm sure there've been other times that there were people who hated me because of my skin color that I just didn't i wasn't aware of nevertheless i think sometimes anything that can make me anything a white person can say or do that might make me feel uncomfortable i might refer to as racism I mean, I might be, I wouldn't say I might, I'll be tempted to think that way, but that would, I think, be unloving. So, for example, I mentioned this in an article once where I was walking in a tunnel, and as I'm walking in this tunnel, there's a, a white girl uh, also, you know, w- walking by me. And as soon as she sees me, she clutches her bag and essentially attaches herself to the wall and is kind of just afraid of me. And as soon as I see that, I'm thinking, man, this this girl is being racist. I mean, why would, I, why would she assume the worst of me just because I'm black? But then shortly afterward, I think to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm assuming that because she's white. She's afraid of me. That's all I know right now. She's afraid of me. But now I'm, I'm assuming why she's afraid of me. And maybe it is because she's racist. But if she was black, if she was not a white person, I wouldn't think that she was racist. And I remember that because God calls me not to assume the worst of people. God tells me that love hopes all things. And even if she's a racist, I don't know that. And God still calls me to love that potential racist. 
you know, or even if, again, they are racist, I'm supposed to love that racist anyway. Um, and that's how I navigated until I, until I know for sure that what's been said or what's been done against me or others is a racist. I become sinful myself if I assume the worst of that white person just because they're white and you're doing an action that I think is racist. Yeah, you're what, six foot tall, 270? Um, a, little, a little more than 270, but I'm about, yeah, six foot tall, <laughs> six I, one. I'd run from you. and it's funny you know i I had told my my sister that you know anytime you go in that tunnel um just be wary it's a very it's not a very safe tunnel uh for anyone to be at Mm -hmm. but yes my size i there was a time where i was uh i saw my i was walking by a mall i saw myself in the mirror i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay i didn't realize that's how big i was you know so no i I can't blame anyone for wanting to run from (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, with you being Canadian, you've never had the opportunity to vote in an American election, but that hasn't stopped you from writing about American politics. Um, earlier this year, you encouraged your readers to recognize the freedom that believers have uh, in politics when you said, American Christians have the liberty to vote for Donald Trump to establish justice for preborn babies and Christians. And you also said, They have the liberty to not vote for him if they think that they would be loving his evil character by doing so. As an outsider, as a Canadian, do you think Americans take politics too seriously? And do you think American Christians in particular have Mm. elevated these issues unnecessarily? Mm. We have to look crazy to you, right? (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I think... I think almost all of us takes, okay, I think it's easy to make anything an idol. I think it's easy to make anything, to take anything too seriously. Um, I struggle in answering yes or no to that because, so so politics, right? I think it's, it's much more than politics. So for example, God calls us to take justice seriously. And justice is in the realm of politics. So I think taking how you vote very seriously, um, if you're putting all your hopes in that, then it's sinful, then that's wrong. Which Americans, I know, yeah, so in that way, Americans very much tend to do that, where I think, especially because of the history involved, you know, with you know, the independence and everything else. Well, I know July 4th is coming up uh, in a few days. And <laughs> Americans very much treasure Americanism. That, that is a fact. Um, but I think that is, from my perspective, more of a hope, a sinful hope in trusting in your country or in your liberty instead of trusting in Christ. But I'm not sure if I would say, I think it plays out in politics, but I wouldn't say that's actually politics itself Hmm. that, you know, you guys seem to, uh, treasure, um, but, but again, I mean, maybe I'm wrong by that. And I think, cause I, I have friends there and I think, um, it's funny, that article, it was my American friends that asked me to write about it um, because, you know, they know that I have a blog and that I can, uh, and they know I love talking about these issues myself too. And I think sometimes Americans don't know how good they have it as well too. You know, I was telling you guys earlier that, uh, you know, unfortunately, the people who say they're pro-life in the, in, you know, as in the politicians who say they're pro-life in Canada aren't 
being very faithful to their pro-life views. And I know that the Republicans have been un, un, um, you know, unhelpful too in many ways. Um, but um, I wish, you know, while I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump myself, I'm not sure if I would have voted for him if I, would, if I was able to vote. Um, in many ways, I'm glad that he's has he's a very strong, strong uh, stance against abortion, um, you know, given especially my work. But um, I think there is, with some, definitely a a firm hope in in politics, which is sinful. But I think the reason why you guys take it so seriously too is because you see how many other nations have been destroyed. And how many, uh, you know, just Christian, um, just religious liberty and, uh, you know, good freedom that honors Christ has been destroyed because of people's um, lack of attention on politics as well, too. You know, so I think it's a bit both. It goes, it's kind of balanced in that, in that way. Do you, do you bristle when you hear conservative Christians talking about essentially being very doomsday-ish about what's going on in our country? As, as someone who's much more globally oriented uh, than the average American, do you, do you think, wow, they're really overstating it and they need to chill out? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's definitely the case. You know, I'm uh, again, I, I love America, uh, but I think there is a, um, I get it with conservatives. I can understand why they have an allegiance to America. I understand because that's all they're hoping. That's, that's their only hope. But if you're a Christian conservative uh, or a Christian period, you shouldn't put your hope on anybody. This world is going to be, it's not forever, including America. You know, our, our citizenship is in New Jerusalem, not in, not in America um, or Canada for that matter. And it's, it's sad to see that. And I, and I think um, some of the, 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 um, criticism you see in America is, is good. Of course it is, right? It's good. God, God has, um, made you two, for example, Americans for a reason. I think it's good to be, um, grateful for that. I'm very grateful for being American, sorry, American, for being Canadian and Ghanaian. Um, but at the same time, I think Americans do have, are clutching at, um, you know, their, their, their rights in a way that at least, at least the Christians are in a way that I think is very unhelpful. Um, cause again, their allegiance is to new, new Jerusalem, not to America. And unfortunately that leads to so much of the anger and the vitriol that you see sometimes. Yeah. It's almost, um, it's almost like we should, uh, take a hint from, from James and be slow to speak a little bit. <laughs> Which the name of your blog, Slow to Write, is is kind of based off of James chapter one verses nineteen to twenty, said which says, uh, "This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God." Has the title of your blog itself helped you, and as you've sought to remember this this uh, this command from God? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I very much so. Uh, I think sometimes, so I, I've made a vow, as, an, as really every Christian has made a vow, right, to follow that. But when you base that, your, your entire blog and your social media on that, uh, I feel a strong amount of, I think, healthy pressure to, to ensure that I follow that. And I don't always follow it, for sure. I'm a sinner. Um, but I, but it definitely is always on my mind that 
you've said this publicly, you better keep it. So it's been so helpful for me, I think, where there are times when I've wanted to speak very quickly, for sure. And then I remember, no, 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 you can't, you know, um, you know, listen more and then speak less, you know, or just wait to speak. So it's been very, very helpful. And have you seen it impact your audience as well as they've read some of your work and, and things as well? Yeah, I've been really, really encouraged. Uh, someone mentioned this on Twitter some time ago that um, my sometimes it's not always the case, but they're saying generally that my um, you know the threads on my social media post tends to be more healthy than others. And um, I would like to say it's not because of me by any by any means. It's because I think um, I think many know that I am trying to pursue. Um, being faithful to that that text, um, so I think then it perhaps calls others to do the same. So uh, I see that being um, the case. You know, now obviously sometimes people don't like uh, what I'm saying, including just even quoting that text. So it might lead to some strong uh, words back and forth in the comment section, which is unfortunately pretty common <laughs> all to, all around. But um, but yeah, I, I see that um, being an influence on myself and others. And um, let's see, you've, uh, you write articles every Friday or you publish articles every Friday, right? Yeah. Is that, has that always been the case or is that like a new pattern that you've established? Yeah. Um, it's been new for maybe three years now. Oh, not new. It's been the norm for three years oh, now. Okay. Yeah. But the first two years I was just writing whenever, whenever okay. I could. And have you um, found that well, once a week is is the healthy medium as far as it's spaces it out enough to make you slow. Um, <laughs> but it's also quick enough to where you have to be thinking of something all the time. Exactly. Exactly. To me, it's the perfect medium for me. Um, uh, Tim, Tim Charlie's, you know, he can write every, every day, which is crazy to me. I don't know how he does that. I, I literally, it's a joke between, I guess, some of my followers now that I literally am slow to write. It takes me a long time to write. Uh, I'm grateful for that though, because, I think uh, it forces me to um, be indeed taking my time to be reading and making sure that everything I'm saying is, um, you know, is biblical and uh, factual and helpful. Um, but um, so right now it's once a week and Fridays, you know, every Friday. But as I as I become more committed to writing uh, and getting better at figuring out how to just write. Uh, more speedily, but hopefully without still being slow to speak or slow to write, I am going to start writing once in a while, just two articles a week instead of uh, one. You know, and I've been doing that a little bit anyways over the last month or two, and I'm going to try and continue that on a more consistent basis. Cool. Well, again, it's patreon.com slash slow to write to support uh, Samuel's work there. I know that lots of this listening audience uh, visit your website and, and get a lot of encouragement and instruction from that. Um, we ask the same final question in all of our interviews. And so to wrap it up, considering all the things that are going on in the world today, whether people are in America or Canada or elsewhere, what encouragement do you have for believers in the local church as it pertains to living out their unity in Christ, developing convictions on the issues of the day and avoiding foolish controversies about less important things? Mm, mm. That's a, that's a great question. That's something I'm trying to figure out uh, myself and I'll just try and share just what I'm thinking right now. 
Uh, I'm not a pastor. Um, I'm not an authoritative figure by any means. But just from what I glean from scripture, from what scripture I would say is commanding, um, we do need to avoid these things. But to avoid these things, we need to identify what is truly foolish controversies and myths and all that. And I think, um, I said this recently on social media, I think that there's a lot of, and from also what I'm seeing through by email, there are a lot of people, including pastors in local churches, who are afraid to identify some of these foolish controversies. And this is, you know, things, you know, how people understand social justice, or sometimes, especially in your context, it's people who make conservatism the gospel. It's not the gospel. We need to be very clear that social justice, conservatism, all those things are not the gospel. The gospel is that Christ, uh, being God, became a man, lives a righteous life, dies for sinners, resurrects um, to justify sinners and ascends to heaven and he's coming back you know to ex execute perfect justice for the saints and against those who refuse who refused um, to believe in him and unfortunately out of fear uh, many people aren't addressing these things and it's it's really destroying some local churches so what we need to do pastors and members to be kindly lovingly speaking the truth in love for the sake of unity because teaching against divisive doctrines is one of the one of the things god calls us to do to unify the church so we need to address these things and also be patient and to bear well, you know each other's burdens and to be loving um to all amen well, Samuel, it's been a joy to have you on our show today. We thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing some of your heart with us today. And we pray God's blessings upon you. And, and we do encourage all those listening to check out that website, slowtowrite.com, and, and, and sign up to support them as well at patreon.com slash slowtowrite. Thank you so much, guys. Well, we thank you all for listening to this interview. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Show at dotheology.com, Twitter at dotheology, and remind you about, just want to remind you about our contest, this uh, giveaway of the ESV Study Bible. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash dotheology. Like the page, like the post with this episode, share it, and leave us a comment with a screenshot of your rating of this podcast. Do it. Just do it, Nike. Just do it. That's right. And until we talk to you again next time. Theology. <laughs>